Good morning. Good morning, all. It's great to see you and have you with us this morning. Thanks for being here. Um, just move that forward a wee bit there and set out my stall. And um, let's pray, folks, as we uh, come to God's Word. Let's pray together for a moment. All hail King Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have come as King of heaven and earth. You've come to earth to meet with us this morning by your Spirit and by your Word. And we ask as we turn to your Word, Lord Jesus, that you would step off the page and meet with us just as you did those fishermen on the shores of Galilee all those years ago. We thank you that you still come to meet with us. So would you step off the page into our lives, into our hearts and minds, and give us a real encounter with you this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Folks, we're turning to God's Word, and we're reading uh, from Luke chapter 5. And if you'd like to have your device or your Bible or whoever you're you're uh, reading God's Word, it'd be great to read along and then to keep it open in front of you just as we, as we uh, look at it this morning. Uh, there's Bibles in the, the church, and there, it's on page 1032 if you're reaching for a, a, a little church Bible there. It's on page 1032, and we're reading from Luke chapter 5. And the, the little subtitle is, Jesus Calls His First Disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and you'll see there's a little footnote there down the bottom that says that is the Sea of Galilee. So the, the lake of Gennesaret and the Sea of Galilee, same, same thing. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. <clears throat> now all this talk of fish reminds me of one I heard recently. And uh, a man walks into a library, and he says, can I have two fish suppers, please? And the librarian says, this is a library. And the man says, sorry, can I have two fish suppers, please? 
Well, Peter and the guys had been fishing all night long, and it really didn't look like there was going to be any fish suppers in the town today. And it was no joke. This morning, we're continuing in our apprentice series, and we've been looking at what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus, spending time with Him, learning from Him, uh, becoming more like Him, and doing the things that He does. And over the the past uh, four weeks, we've been looking at this through the eyes of one of his very earliest apprentices, Mary. And we've been looked at Mary learning, Mary grieving, Mary anointing, and Mary seeing. And so today we turn to another one of Jesus' very first apprentices, Simon Peter. Now, Simon Peter was originally called Simon, and, and then he met Jesus, and Jesus changed his name to Peter, which means the rock. And, and in our reading, he is called both Simon and Simon Peter, but throughout Scripture and throughout history, he's most often referred to as Peter. So I'm going to go with Peter for this morning, okay? And today, we're looking at Peter following, Peter following. You see, in our reading this morning, we read of this, this meeting, this encounter between Jesus and Peter, and at the end of it, it tells us that Peter pulled his boat up on shore left everything, and followed Jesus. And as we look at this encounter and ponder it for ourselves for a few moments this morning, we want to learn what we can, I want to see what we can learn from it as we too seek to to follow Jesus, His call, and His leading. And I was thinking in doing so, it might be useful for us to ask simply two questions. Firstly, why? Why? Why did he leave everything and follow this wandering preacher man? Why did Peter follow Jesus? And then secondly, how did he do that? How did Peter follow Jesus? I guess two very basic questions, and we'll not cover all of it this morning, but we'll make a bit of a start, and we'll find a few things. So firstly, how, uh, firstly why did Peter follow Jesus? And I want to suggest, folks, that Peter followed Jesus because he came to understand that morning three things that simply compelled him. And I think when we start to understand these same things, we too will want to follow Jesus. So what were those three things? Well, firstly, we see Jesus' awesome power. Jesus' awesome power. You see, here in chapter 5 and verses 1 to 2, Jesus is teaching the people It tells us that the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. His teaching was powerful and he had to get in the boat and he just pushed out a little bit onto the the shore and he kept teaching the people. But once he finishes teaching, Jesus has this idea, verse 3, Simon Peter, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. But the thing is, Simon Peter, he knows a thing or two about fishing. He's been doing this all his life. And Peter knows that this is neither the time nor the place to go fishing. No, you see, on Galilee, you fish at night. And you don't fish here because we've just spent all night doing that and caught nothing. But nevertheless, Peter senses some real authority in Jesus' teaching and in his request. So Peter agrees to put out from shore and cast the nets. And lo and behold, after a night catching nothing, this time around the nets are full to bursting of fish. So we have to ask ourselves, 
Was this just a lucky strike? Was this just a lucky strike? Was this just a a pure coincidence that the nets were now full of fish after Jesus had told Peter to let them down for a catch? No, of course not. Of course not. Because if there is one thing that is obvious in this story, it is that Jesus provided the catch of fish. The fishermen are in no doubt. It says they are astonished. They are astonished. It was Jesus that put those fish into those nets. And you see, following on from his driving out of demons and healing the sick, events recorded for us in the previous chapter in Luke's uh, gospel, uh, chapter 4. In chapter 4, Jesus had recorded driving out demons and, and healing the sick. And here in chapter 5, it shows us that he, Jesus has complete power and authority over all things. You see, in driving out the demons, he shows his authority over the spiritual world. In healing the sick, he shows his authority over the human world. In putting the fish in the nets, he shows his authority over the natural world. Jesus is in control. Look, directing even the very fish of the sea. In Psalm 66, the psalmist writes, Lord, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power. How awesome is your deed? Are your deeds so great is your power? And you know this word awesome, I think it's perhaps one of the most overused and misused words in the English language. You see, I was in a cafe the other day, as I want to do, and, and there I was in the cafe, and I overheard someone referring to their donut. <laughs> As awesome. This donut's awesome. A donut? Awesome? Really? Now, maybe it was good. But I guess it, it depends what you're comparing it with, doesn't it? But how about Jesus filling those nets so full of fish that day that they began to break? That's awesome. What about speaking the universe into existence, flinging the stars into sky, splitting the Red Sea, coming from heaven to earth, healing the sick, feeding the 5,000, raising the dead, rising from the dead? Now that's awesome. That's awesome. And that's Jesus. Awesome in power. You see, Jesus has power over all things, all times and all seasons, all situations and all circumstances, because indeed, as Matthew 28 tells us, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So today, by the shores of Lake Galilee, Peter experiences something of Jesus' unrivaled authority in his teaching And he experiences something of Jesus' great power in his actions. Jesus' awesome power. That's one of the reasons that Peter follows Jesus, leaving everything behind. Another reason is is this that I'd like to suggest. Secondly, is Jesus' amazing grace. Jesus' awesome power, Jesus' amazing grace. You see, his grace is, is, is evidenced here for us in this, in this story by the superabundant catch of fish that he gives the fishermen. Their cup overflows. Well, actually, their boat. Their boat, it overflows. 
It overflows with the fish, with the gift by grace that God, the Lord Jesus, has given them. And you see, when he provided the fish here, Jesus could have given them a fish each for breakfast. And I reckon after catching nothing all night, they probably would have been happy to have something to take home for breakfast. Or in his grace, he could have gone one better and blessed them with a box of fish each that they could stop at the market and sell to their customers. A box of fish each. But Jesus doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. But look at what Jesus does. In his grace, Jesus provided them with such an abundance of fish that their boats began to sink. This is amazing grace right here. And his grace is enough. In fact, his grace is more than enough, isn't it? He gives them so much that their boat begins to sink and they have to share the blessing. They get to share the blessing. They get to share the grace. And you see, God has this habit The Bible and the history of the church are full of examples of God's amazing grace. It's no wonder that when people encounter it, they want to write and sing songs about it. Your grace is enough. Heaven reaching down to us as we sang earlier. Your grace is enough for me. And at the cross where heaven reaches down to us most fully, we see Jesus' amazing grace most extravagantly, most abundantly. At the cross, he took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone for me, for you. At the cross, the one who is perfect and sinless and righteous dying for us so that we who are weak and sinful and corrupt can become just like him. And rising again on that first glorious Easter morning so that we can have life, life in all its fullness, even life eternal as we trust in him. This is amazing grace. At the cross, at the empty tomb, in every material and spiritual gift and blessing that he showers upon us day by day as we go through life's journey as he lovingly leads us home. So we see Jesus' awesome power. We see Jesus' amazing grace. And thirdly, we see Jesus' perfect timing. You see, they'd fished all night and They'd caught nothing. Picture the scene with me for a moment. Out being tossed around all night on the waves of of, of the Sea of Galilee, doing one of the most dangerous and exhausting jobs around, in the darkness, throwing the heavy nets out into the water, hauling them back in again, throwing them out again, hauling them back in over and over all night long, and every time, nothing. Zilch. Nada. They're empty. And by the morning, they hadn't even one teeny weeny wee single fish to take home for breakfast. These fishermen were going home to their families empty handed. And on the way, they would be stopping at the market to explain to their customers 
we've nothing for you today. And then they'd walk past the bank. Past the bank because there's no lodgings today. Oh, and the nets were still to be washed. And you know, after a good night's fishing, washing the nets was hard work. But after a bad night's fishing, it was even harder. So can you imagine the fishermen's mood? They would have been at their very lowest ebb. Maybe today you're here or you're watching online. Maybe today you're at a little bit of a low ebb. For whatever reason, we know that there are many things that life can throw at us by way of concerns and challenges, trials and temptations. that can drain us and deflate us and leave us feeling a little bit low. The men were at their lowest ebb and in the very midst of their crisis. They'd spent all night working hard with no reward, with, humanly speaking, only more hard work, humiliation, hunger, and financial hardship ahead until, until Jesus. Until Jesus until Jesus steps into the picture and steps into their lives. Into their world. And his timing is perfect. You see, a little earlier and the fishermen would still have been out on the water. They would still be holding out hope for a catch, but now hope is gone. The time for fishing is past. The boats are pulled up. The nets are being washed. And if Jesus had shown up a little bit later, the guys would already have gone home and depressed, dejected. But just in the middle of their lowest ebb, at just the right time, Jesus comes along. And likewise, in his perfect timing, Jesus comes to us this morning. So how does he come to us today? Well, he has come to us by his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is with us as we meet in his name in prayer and in praise. He comes to us by his Holy Spirit. He meets with us by his living word as he speaks to us from the Bible. As we read it, as we study it, as we hear it read and hear it preached. Jesus encounters us. He is the word of God. And he comes to us in our brothers and sisters in faith. Every moment in their company, every word of encouragement, every prayer, every practical act of assistance. We bear Christ to one another because he lives in us. We bring him to one another. So if we've been living a life, perhaps a life or days of doubt or faithfulness, if doubts or lack of faith have been closing in on us, let us open up. Let us open up today. Open ourselves to his spirit. Open up his word. Open a conversation with another Christian. For Jesus still comes to us. He still wants to meet with us. He still wants to speak with us. For Jesus Christ is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. 
So let us, let Jesus meet with us today in his perfect timing. And if we're not already a Christian, if we've not already said yes and started to follow him, then whatever we've been doing in the past, whatever we've been doing in the past, this is the day. This is the day to start to follow Jesus. And if we're a Christian and we've been perhaps drifting a little, perhaps we're following at a bit more of a distance now than we used to, well, this is the day. This is the day when Jesus comes close to us and invites us to follow him more closely. So we see Jesus' awesome power, his amazing grace, and his perfect timing. And these, I believe, are some of the reasons that Peter followed Jesus and why we too will want to follow Jesus. So to our second question, and more briefly, how then did Peter follow Jesus? How are we to follow Jesus? Well, firstly, we see that Peter follows in total obedience. In total obedience, you see, to some degree, God's grace was dependent on Peter's obedience. Yes, in his grace, Jesus took the initiative and came to Peter. Jesus always takes the initiative and comes to us. That's one of the ways that he shows us his grace. But look, Peter's positive response unlocks more, unlocks more grace upon grace upon grace. For look, the Lord only provided that abundant catch of fish after Peter had obeyed. After Peter had obeyed his command to put out into the deep water and let down the nets. Peter is willing to go out into the deep wherever Jesus sends him. And that's where he experiences Jesus' grace the most. You know, as comfort-loving, safety-seeking human beings, we're tempted to just potter around in the shallows, aren't we? It's calm. It's calm there. It's comfortable there. It's safe there. And it's oh so easy to stay there. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't leave us sitting there. Jesus doesn't leave us sitting in the shallows, no. Jesus sends us out into the deep. Out into the deep. And yes, it's more choppy out there. It's less comfortable out there. It's more dangerous out there. But that's where Jesus sends us. Because that's where the action is. That's where the fish are. That's where the reward is. And that's where our faith and His grace and His glory are most fully displayed. So Peter falls in total obedience. Secondly, Peter falls in humble worship. In humble worship. <coughs> you see, in the midst of this scene in verse 8, Simon Peter falls at the knees of Jesus in worship. He is simply overwhelmed by the gap between Jesus' power and his weakness, between Jesus' holiness and his sinfulness. And so he simply bows in worship. Worship. That's what we'll do in the presence of Jesus. 
You see, worship is always an appropriate response as we encounter the presence and the person, the grace and the glory of Jesus. And we worship him with our thoughts, our words, and our deeds by offering him our time, our talents, and our treasure. And it might be by giving our time to visit someone who is housebound at home or in a, a hospital, a hospice, a nursing home or prison. Folks who can't come to us, Jesus came to us. Folks who can't come to us, well, the Jesus way is to go to them. So let's make that a priority as well, to be visiting those who are housebound. That's how we may give of our time. It may be given of our talents to help with street reach or some of the other summer outreach here at Orangefield or further afield. It might be by giving generously of our finances to support the Lord's work in and from Orangefield and in Belfast or anywhere to the very ends of the earth. So we worship him by offering our time, our talents, and our treasure into his service. For thirdly and finally for this morning, we see that Peter falls in sacrificial service, in sacrificial service. We see here verse 11 that Peter pulled his boat up onto the shore. He left his boat, his business. It tells us, it says simply here that he left everything. Peter left everything and followed Jesus. From that day on, from that encounter with Jesus, Peter sacrificed everything to follow and serve the Lord. And you know that call that came to Peter that day, that call of Christ, that call of the kingdom, that same call comes to each and every one of us this day. To follow Jesus. And as Peter hears the call, responds and is welcomed and starts to, 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 to follow, responds to that call of Christ, that call of the kingdom. Jesus also commissions him into service to go and tell others to go and invite them too so that they too might meet Jesus and get caught up in the kingdom of God. So just as I finish this morning, we are all, each and every one of us is called and commissioned into the service of King Jesus, to praying and sharing, to telling and to inviting. So who are we praying for? Who are you praying for that they might meet Jesus? and begin to follow him? Who are you going to invite to come along to church or to some other activity over the summer that they might meet Jesus? Amongst our family, our friends, neighbors, and colleagues, who are you going to gossip the gospel with that they too might encounter Jesus? Name names before God. Be prepared and then take the opportunities when they arise, for God-given opportunities will arise. For you know the kingdom of God is not a secret. The kingdom of God is not a secret. No. He is about making it known. He is about making it known and he will give us opportunities to partner with him in his great God story, in his mission to save and redeem and reconcile the world to himself. That's what he's about, and that's what he invites us to partner with him in. What a privilege. What a responsibility is ours. 
And so, in the days ahead, let us, with God's help, respond and follow Jesus like Peter did. Let us follow him in total obedience, in humble worship, and in sacrificial service. So that everyone in our family, our church, our community, our world might personally meet with and follow King Jesus. The one who gives us life in all its fullness. The one whose love endures forever. The one who is awesome in power. Amazing in grace. And perfect in timing. And to him alone goes all the glory. Now and forever. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray together for a moment? Let's pray. Take a moment in the silence to continue responding to what the Lord Jesus is doing amongst us as he continues to move amongst us by his spirit and his word. Let's take a moment in his presence, in the silence, and in our hearts to respond to him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us here this morning and for your word to us. We give you thanks for every gift and every blessing that you have poured out upon us. But most of all, we thank you that you died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to the Father who loves us. And more than that, that you rose again on that first glorious Easter morning so that we could have life, life in all its fullness life eternal, as we follow you. Thank you for the church and the gospel, the, go the calling and commissioning that you have given us. So in light of your awesome power, your amazing grace, and your perfect timing, please help us to follow you all our days in total obedience, in humble worship, and in sacrificial service. And so we now offer you ourselves our time, our talents, and our treasure into your service as you continue to build your church in and from this place and until you shall come or call us home. For we pray all these things in your precious name and for your glory alone. Amen. Amen. Amen.